We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Most of the time when we talk about getting personal, people get nervous. That's getting a little personal, isn't it? That's exactly what God wants us to do. Get a little personal. Isaiah chapter 10. I, I trust that you had a great Thanksgiving. You spent time with your family. I know there's a, a move, if you will, the, to keep us separated, to keep us, keep us apart from one another. And listen, I don't, I'm not trying to be foolish here. I, I understand. We, you'll, you'll notice that Austin and Becky aren't here today. She was feeling a little sick during, on, on Thursday. She felt that in, in honor of you, if something were wrong, she didn't want to come and give it to you. So, so they stayed home today. You know, that's, we're not trying to be dumb here. We're, we're trying to do what's right with one another. We're trying to honor one another. And, 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 you know, people have masks. That's fantastic. Listen, if you have a mask on today, I want you to know something today. You're a holy part of us. We think no different than anybody else. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of us. And thank you for taking care of me. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 10. I want to talk to you today about from the yoke to the anointing. From the yoke to the anointing. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 24. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts. You know what? Every time I read that in Scripture, whoo, I, my eyes get a little big and my ears get a little big. and Because if thus saith the Lord, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. He shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. Hold on a minute, God. You're telling me not to be afraid of the Syrian, but he's going to smite me like the Egyptians? For yet a little, for a very little while, and the indignation shall cease, and mine anger in their destruction. And the Lord of a host shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. And as his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. And it shall come to pass, verse 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. Isaiah is reminding Israel here that the Assyrians were only able to oppress them because God had allowed it to happen. Many times we feel oppressed, depressed, or we feel the pressure, or we feel tribulation in our life, or troubles, and we think, what's going Just because God allows it. Why does God allow it? Because there's a yoke He's destroying, and He's going to destroy it with an anointing. That's why things are going on in your life and mine right now. He's going to destroy this yoke because of the anointing. This, this, this scripture here makes me understand that nothing happens in my life or in yours by accident. Nothing. Nothing is happenstance. Nothing. God's hand is always the ultimate say in your life and mind. God's hand, no matter, in spite of me. God still works in my life. In spite of Pastor Don, God still works through my things. He's telling me, listen, that yoke that's on you, don't you worry about it. Just a little while. Just a little while, and I'm going to destroy it with this anointing. I also realize that God doesn't always want to give me what I ask for. 
Woo. If he did, would we be in trouble? No, you would be in trouble with me. Yeah, that's how bad it is sometimes with Pastor Don. His image and his essence are solid. No matter what I think or feel, no matter what you think or feel, God's image and God's essence is solid. No matter what the world says, no matter what the church world says, what he says, we must believe. He is who he is. Let that sink. God is who he, he said, I am that I am. Man, how do you define that? I am that I am. Man, I wish there were, there were times in my life when I was bowed up to somebody that I wanted to say that. I am that I am. You know what? I knew I wasn't what I wasn't. So I kept my mouth shut. God, when he says I am that I am, he is who he is. He's always been that. He always will be that. Whatever God does is always perfect. Whatever God does is always right. Sometimes we don't think that, do we? You ever thought, God, you missed it there in my life? You ever? Okay, thank you. Some of you are. Sure, we all do. Sometimes we think, well, God, you missed it. But listen, God's always perfect. He's never ahead of time. He's never after time. He's right on time, every time. He's always right, no matter how you feel about it. Sometimes I've been through things, and I think, man, God, you, this is not right. No, it's right. God is always right. He does everything right and on time for one reason, because he loves you. He, if, if God is love, the Bible says God is love, and the reason He's always on time and He's always right, it, He does those things in your life and mine because He loves you. He loves me. And who the Lord loves, He also corrects. See, we like the blessing love, but the correction love is a little different, isn't it? You know, I always liked it when my dad came in and said, Hey, I brought all you boys a, a, a bar of candy. We like that kind of love. But when he came in and said, All you boys line up on the bed, face down, hind in up. I've been gone three weeks. I don't have to talk to you, Mom. This four boys. And he'd go down the line. But he didn't do that just because he had a good time doing it. He knew that we needed some correction. And even though I, it hurt and I despised getting a whipping, later on I figured out why. I, I wasn't figuring it out when I was laying across that bed. I only figured one thing, and man, it burned and stung. But later on I learned that, you know what, there was a discipline process my dad was taking me through because he loved me. Listen, I appreciate strong ministry in my life. I hope you do too. I appreciate strong ministry in my life. Men that will tell me the truth. Women that will speak truth into my life. Strong ministry. Th those that aren't afraid. You know, a lot of times people will speak things to you because they think that's what you want to hear. Don't, let, don't, ever, don't ever despise somebody because they tell you what you need to hear or tell you the truth. Even when it hurts. Because the truth is always going to make you free. It's going to make you free from that thing. I appreciate, I appreciate conviction. I appreciate the conviction of God in my life. Because, you know, there are people who have lost the conviction of God in their life. They, they, they don't feel convicted about anything anymore. People that once were convicted by the Spirit no longer feel the Spirit. People that were convicted by the Spirit no longer feel the... It's all about flesh. Listen, God, God challenges you.
The purpose of correction is for God to challenge you. God challenges you there. He challenges you in your behavior. He'll challenge you in your attitude. He'll challenge you in your lifestyle. Why? Because he loves you. I don't know about you, but there have been times when God has really laid the wood to me. Yeah, that's an East Texas saying. Because in East Texas, we had woodsheds. And woodsheds is where they kept the wood to keep it dry for winter. But also in the woodshed was a leather strap. Now, I never could figure out what that leather strap had to do with the wood. But I knew what it meant to go to the woodshed. Yeah, my, we were cleaning out a spot, a place out of my grandparents uh, had an old barn and had stuff back there. My, we were cleaning it out. My youngest brother, I, he probably was about six or seven. He put, look what I found and picked up this leather strap. Man, if I could go back, I'd whip him first. Then I'd get rid of the strap. It cost us a lot of, he found that leather strap and my dad had a big smile on his face. That's my boy. Sometimes things get a little tough with God. And, it, and it's because God needs to take us to the woodshed sometime. Listen, I've had discipline in my Christian life that wasn't easy. It was woodshed stuff. But you know what? It brings me to a place of understanding and wisdom and knowledge. Now, I realize some of y'all don't come from that background, and some of you don't even believe in that background. So you're just going to have to allow me to elaborate a little about my background and then take it from there. So Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says that God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. It's through the indwelling of the Holy Ghost that you're connected with the Father. Understand that. In our text, as God is dealing with Israel, he says the Assyrians have attacked you because there's some areas in your life that I'm not pleased with. That's why the Assyrians are giving you problems, Israel, because there's areas in your life that I'm, this has nothing to do with the Assyrians. And often we have Assyrians in our life that we feel like are attacking us, and we want God to destroy those Assyrians in our life when, in fact, it has nothing to do with the Assyrians. It all has to do with the places in my life that I'm not pleasing God. And so God uses those things. He uses those things. Quite often God will use adversity to get your attention, won't he? Adver adversity. It, sometimes we're not focused adversity comes in our life sometimes we're not committed adversity comes into our life sometimes we take him for granted adversity comes into our life sometimes we take our own lives for granted adversity comes into our life so he allows adversity to get us back in line toe the line get us back in that play he allows that adversity the oppression of the Assyrians was an adversity that drove Israel to prayer they had to be driven to prayer. Now, we sometimes look at the old stories in the Old Testament and go, what were they thinking? But we can look into New Testament church in 2020 and say the same thing. What were we thinking? Why did we have to be driven to prayer? Why, why do y'all think we're having adversity? Because the devil rules and reigns. He's the prince and the power of the air. God's still God. No, nothing has happened, Chance. Adversity come, has come to us because there's some places God's not pleased with us. And he brings that adversity to us, not to harm us, to get us back into line. God should never have to drive his people to prayer. But it's consistent over and over. The one thing humans never learn is history. We never learn because we never learn from it. Man, you know what? There's the answer to everything in this book. 
If I was going to take a test next week and somebody said, hey, let me slip you this piece of paper, every answer to that test is on this piece of paper. I'd be grabbing that paper as quick as I could and just studying it and learning it. Every answer is in that book, but do we grasp it like we should grasp it? Listen, nothing makes you pray like trouble, though, right? Things are rocking along, prayer's a little bit, mm, but man, you little trouble slide into your life, and all of a sudden, we're talking to God. We're having a conversation with God if there's trouble. You'd be surprised at how people turn to prayer when they get a bad doctor's report. All of a sudden, God becomes the healer. He was the healer before you ever got a bad report. Mm, maybe we ought to be talking to the healer so that we don't have to be talking about a bad report. Mm, okay. Man, when the job comes into jeopardy, man, all of a sudden it's knees time. God, I'm on my knees today because I need something. Some things just rattle us into prayer, don't they? They just rattle us into prayer. It's when the Lord gets our attention and we get realigned with His purpose that then the enemy brings this yoke into our life. Not before. Let me explain that. Because we look at the Assyrians as the yoke that was upon Israel. But Assyrians were not the yoke. The yoke was their problem with God. That's the yoke that was around their neck. That was the problem it has. So we have to understand something. God wants the yoke of bondage. We've heard that used. and You've probably heard it described. But it's kind of difficult in our society today because we're not a, we're not a rural society anymore. We're urban and so most of us don't have oxen in our backyard. And so to understand what a yoke was about is sometimes difficult, but see if I can simplify it. A yoke was used to control an oxen or a set of oxen. The whole purpose of the yoke was to control the oxen or a set of oxen. It, it was placed around their neck. It bound them together. And whenever you wanted the oxen to move, then you controlled them with the yoke. That was the purpose of the yoke. It was controlling. They were not free. The oxen were imprisoned. They were bound, not free to go anywhere they wanted, but they were told to go where they were told to go. And that's the way they went. That's what a yoke does. God told Israel he used these Assyrians to get their attention, but now I want to take the yoke off of you with an anointing. With an anointing. He said, listen, I'm not going to allow the Assyrians to continue to oppress you. When you turn to me, that, that business is over. And too many times, we like to ride the train of the Assyrians. When God said, listen, I don't, I'm not here to do that the rest of your life. If you just turn to me, we can get rid of the Assyrians, and we can break the yoke, and we can, we can have an anointing in our life. I will not destroy the yoke around your neck. I will liberate it through the anointing. God's intent wasn't to destroy the yoke. It was to liberate them with an anointing. Another thing we want is the yoke in our life to be destroyed when in fact it's something God turns into, to an, He turns it into an anointing. So what is God's anointing? You've heard people talk about the anointing. What is that anointing? Touch not mine anointed, nor harm my, my, do no harm to my prophets. You know, anointing oftentimes becomes this ambiguous term that people just don't understand in church. People have a different idea or mindset about what the anointing of God is. In the absence of true understanding, people will deduce that the anointing is manifested as an outward expression. 
That's what people see the anointing in church today. I'm going to use the term again. Westernized church. We have, because there's a lack of understanding of what the anointing is, then we want to visualize it. And so we look for this outward expression. You know, when it, now I'm going to say some things here, and these happen. This happened, but, but that it's not the anointing. You understand something? When people quiver or jerk, some people call that the anointing. When people quiver or jerk. Have you ever? No? They, they convey that if you're not demonstrative, you're not anointed. Some people think the anointing is when a preacher gets really loud and starts talking really loud. He's under anointing now. Preachers do that. I'm probably not as much as preachers you've heard in the past, but... But preachers do that. Are there, are there people who quiver and jerk? Yes, that happens. That, that's a result of the excitement of the anointing. That's not the anointing. That's not the anointing. I can do that without the anointing. You missed that, Bishop, and I'm doing it again. <laughs> that's not the anointing. Those are reactions from the anointing. They're physical reactions that are produced from the anointing. The anointing is something different. And the problem with there being a demonstrative act that has to be engaged in the anointing is it puts pressure on people to act a certain way. Bishop saw this more than I did, but I've seen this. I've seen men that grew up under a, another, you know, I had a friend named Grady. I'll stop there. His pastor did this. The whole time he was preaching under the anointing. And so when Grady came to our church to minister under, did the same thing. Because in his mind, the pressure was that that's the anointing. If I get in that pulpit and preach to this people, i got to be doing, because that's the anointing. Now, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with that. It's an expression, but that's not the anointing. The anointing is something different. But what happens is when we look for that, then we put pressure on people to act a certain way or do a certain thing. And so we feel like there's an experience in the anointing that has to project itself. And let's, let's understand something. When you're anointed, you are endowed by God to function in a particular category. Look at anointing. You're when God anointed a king, the king didn't act as the priest. He acted as the king. When, God, when, when, the, when they anointed a, a prophet, a prophet didn't act as a king. He was anointed. The anointing is an endowment by God to you for a function in a particular category of what God wants you to do. That's what anointing is. When a person is anointed, they are not anointed to entertain you. Anointing is not there to entertain you. You're not there to see them cut flips and do back flips and blow on people and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't take no offense to that, whoever you are. But that's not the purpose of the anointing. I'm getting on a roll, Bishop. When a person is anointed, they're anointed to do something. The purpose of the anointing in your life is to do something. God doesn't anoint someone so they can just sit there and be spiritually above everybody else. There are people that walk around all the time claiming the anointing just so they can feel higher than you. Or there are those that say, well, my, my pastor's not like yours. He's always under the anointing. They're trying to elevate something above you. In Scripture, God anoints someone to prophesy or to preach 
or to become a prophet, priest, and king. The anointing became their unction to their function. That's what the anointing is. It is the unction of God to the function that you're to perform in the anointing. Every single one of us is to be anointed of the Holy Ghost in our life. Anointing, let's, let's, let's simplify this to Don standards. Make this really simple. Anointing to you is what gasoline is to a car. You don't fill up a car, you don't fill up the gas tank for a car that doesn't work. Let me stop. You don't put gas in a car that doesn't work. God doesn't anoint those who don't work because the anointing's for you to do something. You don't put gas in a car that's going to take you to nowhere. Gasoline enables a car to get from point A to point B. Man, aren't y'all glad y'all came today? I am unloading some powerful gasoline in a car gets you from point A to point B. It doesn't matter what kind of car it is. It can be a BMW. It can be a 1913 Ford pickup. It doesn't matter what kind it is. You can keep that thing waxed. You can keep it serviced. You can shine it up. But if there's no gas in it, oh, let me say that again. You can keep that car waxed. Looking good. You can keep that car serviced. You can shine it and make it look nice. But if you don't put any gas in it, it doesn't perform what it's called to do. And it's the same thing under God's anointing. Why? Because the gasoline empowers or enables the performance. The, the anointing of God empowers and enables your performance for God. That's, the, that's what the anointing is. People are so that are docile, and some of you are going to get upset with me. People that are docile, slothful, lazy, fearful, or intimidated most likely have never experienced the anointing of God in their life. I'll say it again. People that are docile, slothful, lazy, fearful, or intimidated most likely have never experienced, because I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever had a car that didn't run, and you've put a gallon of gas in it, you know what you do? The first thing you do is you go down to the gas station because you want more gas. Man, this thing runs great, but it's not going to run forever on a gallon. I love the way this car runs and looks. And look, everybody's looking nice. This thing. Look, all this, man, it's powerful and it runs fast. I better get to the gas station. The first thing you want to do is to fill it up with gas. And if you've ever had the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life, and I'm not talking about being in a pulpit and shouting and bucking and all that stuff. I'm talking about in your life when you confronted someone with a situation or somebody came to you needing an answer that God's Spirit didn't just work through. The anointing to begin to float. If you've never had that, and that's what dorsal, docile, not dorsal, that's Finn. Docile, Lazy, fearful, intimidated people, that's what they do. They've never really experienced it. Because I'm going to tell you, once you ever experience it, you, you can't go back. You, you can't, you, something gets a hold of you. Listen, people that are lost, dorsal, lazy, fearful, intimidated, it doesn't mean they have sin in their life. It doesn't mean they're evil or bad. It just means that God's anointing is for somebody that's going to do something. God's anointing in your life is for you. God, don't expect God's anointing in your life if you're not going to do something. 
Don't expect it. It's not going to happen. God doesn't anoint where he doesn't, He's not going to do something, produce something. He doesn't anoint you to just sit there in church and look cute. Man, I went to church with some people that thought God's anointing was on them just because of how good they looked. Man, if that's the case, I, I'm out anointing. I, I never have a shot. God doesn't anoint you to sit there and look cute. He doesn't anoint you to sit and do nothing. God doesn't anoint you to make excuses or procrastinate. God anoints you to do something. Anointing is the thing that kicks you into gear for boldness. You ever wanted boldness? Now, I've heard the term holy boldness. You've heard that too, right? That, that's not holy rudeness. I've heard people, you know, holy boldness is you get in somebody's face and slap them on both sides, top of the head, under the chin, telling them about Jesus. That's not holy boldness. That's holy ignorance. And there's no holiness about it. You want some, you want some boldness from God? Allow the Spirit to unction in a function. If, God, if you're in a place and God, somebody needs prayer, you know what? God's ready to anoint. He's ready to anoint. But He wants you to be able to drive the vehicle. you got to turn the key on. you got to put your foot on the gas. See, there's a part you do. And when you do that, when you pray, when you go to that person and you turn that key on and put that gas on, you know what? They're in for one wild ride. They're in for one wild when somebody When you pray for somebody and God touches them, they're in for one. Listen. You want, some, you want some anointing for understanding, to understand a situation? You know, there are, people, there are things in people's lives they don't get it, they don't understand, because they're not in spirit. They're, they don't get it. They're, they're outside of the realm. But you could have that understanding through, you know, the Holy Ghost can speak to you about something you have no idea. It can happen. Now, God wants us to look in Scripture and understand things. But there are times in people's lives that you're going to cross over when there's a situation in their life you've never encountered, nor have you read about, nor has anybody taught you. But don't think that the Holy Ghost, there's not an unction for a function. Because God puts you in that place so there's a revelation. Mm. God wants to give you this, this anointing so that you have a charisma of His Word. Jesus wept. Hallelujah. Man, I've got the Word. I can just walk around and with a lot of charisma, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Je you know, listen, there's a charisma in God's Word that God wants to take from His Word and, an and anoint you with so that the unction of that makes the charisma. Of You're not, you know, these guys that are charismatic, Aren't you glad you don't have a charismatic pastor? Because <laughs> these guys charismatic, are, they're basing everything on their, their own charisma. When it's the Word that has charisma. And that charisma translates itself under the unction of the function. And what happens is, is, is men and women get in the pulpits and think that they're the charismatic person. That they're the charisma part of it. I could be just as... Low key does. I could just get the rest of the service. I'm gonna just talk like this, and still have an unction of the function. You, listen, you you may not want to shout or cry or quiver. Those things happen. There's an excite. Listen, you can't help it. I don't know if y'all notice me. I'm, I don't have any Italian blood in me, but I think I might have. 
got this going on a lot in my life for some reason. But you can't, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about it. But understand, this is not the charisma. This is not the whole. Yes, that's, a, that's how we knew if a person was anointed or not. Lord, help us all. God will always anoint you because God wants you to be effective in what you're saying or doing. He wants you to be effective in what you're If you're going to pray somebody, He wants you to be effective. The effective, the effective, the fervent, the effective. God wants your prayer to be effective. In other words, you're not just spouting words. There's an anointing because there's a function that needs to happen in that person's life, and you need the unction to make it go. Don't be fooled by people's antics and flatters and spiritual cliches. Men, are we loaded down with that? Men, there are, there are, there are these spiritual cliches. We have them in, in a Pentecostal apostolic realm. We, we, we are, there are cliches and words and phrases we use that are, not, that are nowhere in Scripture. I could say some of them, but half of you are going to get up and walk out if I do because it really upset you. Well, it's because what, that's what my mama said or did, or that's what she did every morning when we left here. Or some of you already know what I'm saying, so I'm not going to say it. And there's no Bible for it. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. He didn't... Okay, I'm, now I'm not going to say one. I'm going to make you upset. Don't be fooled by that stuff. That's not God's anointing. Because people use particular f- catchphrases and phrases that sound Christian. You know, the devil said this, hath God not said? Hmm, the devil said that. Hath God not said? I understand in the Old Testament that oil was used as an anointing. They would take a horn of oil if they're going to anoint a king, a prophet, a priest, or any anointing. They would take a horn of oil and pour that oil. You know, we, and again, aren't y'all glad that we have the little deal here that we anoint our hands and touch your forehead? We don't have a horn of oil that we pour on you. Because biblically, that's what they did. Maybe we need to start that. I didn't get an amen. Okay, so we won't do that. Oil was poured over an individual. Because it was the anointing of God on their life. This was God's chosen. This was God's person. So the anointing was poured over them. So when that oil pours, what happens with oil is that it flows, right? You're poured oil on something. Watch it just kind of flow. and That's what oil does. It flows. When you have God's anointing, it flows. The Old Testament is type and shadow of the New Testament. The Old Testament oil, horn of oil, is the New Testament Holy Ghost. That's the oil. And that, that's what being under that unction of God, that's the oil that, and it flows. God wants that spirit to flow. He wants that anointing in your life to flow out of your life. When we flow in God's anointing, that's when things begin to happen. When we flow in His anointing, not when He flows in ours. Because mm-hmm. often we want God to flow in our anointing. We want God to do it the way we want God to do it. When God says, no, I'm gonna, I want to give you the unction for the function, but here's what I want you to do. You notice some of the crazy things God had people do in the Scripture? Jesus spits on the ground. Now, I'm not, there was two things that caused me to fight when I was a kid. One was calling me a certain curse word that had to do with my, my mother. The other one was, if you spit on me, it didn't matter who you were. 
I don't care if you were my aunt, my uncle, my grand. If you're my grandma, your teeth coming out. You're not going to spit on me. That was the most awful thing that you could do. That, Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud balls. Well, that's not bad enough. He shoves it in the guy's eyes. Some of the strangest things. But that's what God's anointing will do in our life. We'll think this is the oddest, strangest thing, but, it, but then we see how it opens people's eyes. We'll see how it changes people's lives. It, listen, it simply means that whenever something is mentioned in its first con let me say this about, there's a thing, Bishop and I talked about this a little bit this morning, in the word called the law of first mention or first things. The law of first mention. And, and what that talks about is that when something is mentioned in its first context in Scripture, that it sets a precedent that throughout God's Word, it goes back to the original meaning. It never deviates from the original meaning. It's all through the all through Bible. So the, the Spirit of God is mentioned for the first time in Genesis. So let's look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon or covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. moved. So here's the first thing we understand about God's Spirit. It's not that it's just all powerful and all affected. But the first thing we recognize about God's Spirit is that it moves. Anywhere in Scripture, God's Spirit is relative. It moves. No place in Scripture, no place in Scripture where God's Spirit is present, that it doesn't move. God's Spirit always moves. It always flows. If it's not flowing or... Let's just do the reverse. If it's not flowing or moving, it's not God's... Mm-hmm. The first thing we learn is that God's Spirit flows. God's Spirit is not docile. It was never weak, nor was it ever indifferent. God's Spirit has never, ever been marginalized by darkness. In the beginning, darkness was there, and when the Spirit moved, darkness has never going to grieve the Holy Ghost. Never. So if God's Spirit is a moving Spirit, and God's Spirit is inside you and me, and it's not growing or moving, that's what grieves the Holy Ghost. Grieve not the Holy Ghost that's within you. It's when we don't allow that Spirit, that anointing, to move in our life. See, anointing is not for you. Mm? Anointing is not for you. The anointing is for someone else. It's the unction in you to provide the function in them. What God wants to do in them, He will do through you. Peter and John, just, just a quick one. Peter and John walking up. Been doing this for several years now. And this one dude's been sitting out there for several years now. He's never been able to go in the temple because he's crippled. They weren't allowed to go in the temple. They were unclean. Never could go in the temple to worship. Peter and John walk up and, you know, for some reason this particular day, well, here's this guy again. Look, man, I don't have any money for you, but I got some move for you. Just grab my hand. Watch and see what happens. And when he, it's, notice what it says. He jumped up, but notice what it says when they grabbed, he, when he lifted him up, 
See, there's an unction to the function in you. There's part that's in you and part that's in him. And when, you know, this guy had walked in all these years, suddenly believes Peter and John. Just out of the blue. No, it's not out of the blue. It's what happens when the unction is produced in the function. It's the anointing. You understand what happened here that day? The anointing provided healing. We're praying God send healing. There's God's not sending any more healing here. It's here. He's waiting for us to get the unction to the function. And when that happens, when there's an anointing, man, the Holy Ghost can have the move that... The Holy Ghost is a moving spirit, progressive spirit. It doesn't want to be around people that are stubborn. The Holy Ghost doesn't want to be around people that are stubborn. The Holy Ghost doesn't want to be around people that are stubborn. Obstinate. Refuse to move. There was a song that used to sing, I will not be moved. And man, I've seen a lot of people in church that sang that, that believed it. Well, where does God move me? God moves you from faith to faith. Faith to faith. From glory to glory. God moves you from one level to the next. Man, if you ever, if, if you ever get this thing happen to you, if, you ever, if, the, if that anointing ever hits you like this, and it ever happens in your life, and you pray for somebody, and you see God's function happen in their life, man, you're going to get hooked. I just thought getting hooked on that stuff when I was young was exciting and fun. It just ran out. This, this never runs out. And it affects other people positively. I, I affected people negatively. But man, this unction, this this. Anointing affects people positively. It moves you from failure to success. Uh, Pastor, I just keep failing, I keep failing, I keep failing. How about a little unction? How about a little anointing? Quit being stubborn and obstinate. I will not be moved. How about being moved today? How about letting God move you today? Because the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Moved. It moves you from a prison to a palace. Man, the unction of God, the, the anointing of God will move you out of a prison into a palace from a background to a foreground from indifference to civility the holy ghost will move you out of your inhibitions we, we use another word for inhibitions though you know that's that's it's kind of a you know a psychological deal you know i i just wasn't born that way i know me neither that's why i was born again You must be born of water, and you must be born of spirit, unction. Yeah, I wasn't born that way either. Y'all, it's hard for me to believe you. I wasn't born like this. And God's still trying to get me there. But he'll take you out of, if you have an inhibition, if something really gets to you because you feel, inhibitions are what? It's a weakness of character. Inhibition. It's a weak, you're worried about what someone thinks. You're concerned about what someone, how they're going to react or what they're going to think. Your insecurities ties in with your inhibitions. Your intimidation ties in with your securities and inhibitions. Your low self-esteem ties in with your intimidation. It all ties together. Without the unction of God, you have inhibitions, insecurities, intimidations, and your self-esteem is in the Johnny Flusher. Some people don't want you to be spirit-filled. Did you know that? 
You know why people, so there are people who don't want you to be spirit-filled? Because then they can't control you. Because once you're spirit-filled, they can no longer control you. You're under control of Him. And man, there are people that don't want that in your life. When, when you begin to flow in the Spirit, then they can't get you to stay in one place. That's why some people don't want you to be Spirit-filled. Because when you begin to flow in the Spirit, you're acting differently than they are. But I, I was the spiritual one of the family. What do you mean you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I'm the one that leads this. And you, you're not going to do that. You're not going to go there. And the people are just flowing in Spirit. But we, we don't do that. When you begin to flow in the Spirit, you, you're no longer going to sit in your corner. You're going to come out of that corner. I, I, I think of this as a, as a boxing ring. When I was in high school, I boxed. There was nothing you could do in your corner until you heard, ding, and then the fight was on. And you want to smash mouth them. Because everybody has a great plan until they get hit right in the mouth. Then it's over. The whole plan goes out the door. And listen, in, understand something. That's, that's what the unction, that's what the function of the unction is. It, it, that anointing in your life is, ding, it releases you now from the prison of that corner to come out of that corner and operate under God's Spirit. You no longer have to lay down in your cage. Some people just like to keep you in your cage, don't they? Keep you captured where they like you to be. God is a moving, flowing spirit. He's a moving, flowing spirit. Listen, there's no freedom like walking around with the anointing. What do you mean by that, Pastor? That tells me that you're not walking around with the anointing. Because when you walk around with the anointing, there's a freedom you have, and you realize it. You, you understand it, and you continue to walk in it because it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Nothing like this has ever happened to you when you walk under that anointing of God. He'll free you from where you've been restricted, where you've been hindered, where you've been held back. It's a freedom and a liberty. That's what that anointing is. He releases you to move. See, a yoke binds you. When you're not in those pleasing places with God, and He has to bring the Assyrians, that binds you. But eventually, He'll get, move the Assyrians on to get them out of the way. And let's see if we can do something about the yoke. Because when, when he looses you from that yoke, when you say, and how do I get used? Can, can I give you all that answer now? How am I going to get loose from my yoke? You simply give it to God and take his anointing. Here's my yoke. Where's my anointing? What does it say? Verse 27, it shall come to pass in that day that, this, that his burden shall be taken away from off thine shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because I took it off? No, because of the anointing. You got a yoke on your neck today? You want to get it off of you? Anointing. Anointing. You got something that's got you strapped down? Something that you need to be released from? It just takes God's anointing. Now, I'm asking to ask you to come up here and do flips or run the tops of chairs. I've seen this before. And I've, everything I'm telling you, I've seen. People run the tops of pews. I've seen that one. People seen people cut, flip back. We've seen that one. I've seen people do all kinds of stuff. That's okay. They're excited. It's okay. Listen, we're okay if you get excited about Jesus here. We're, we're, we're okay if, if you lose a little bit of your inhibition. 
We're, we're okay if, if, if you, all of a sudden you want to stand up and yell, hallelujah, or if you wanted to get up and run. You know what? You might get up and run around the church simply because you've had leg problems and God healed you. I'm for that. I'm waiting on that day. Because that day's going to come in this church when we're unified and it has nothing to do with, it has to do with anointing, where God's going to heal me of this hip problem. And guess what? Pastor Don's going to be running around this church. Yeah. Pastor Don's going to be running around this church. And yeah, it's going to look foolish to some of you. And it's going to look old-fashioned Pentecostal to some of you. And it, but you know what? It's going to be brand new for me. It's going to be brand new for me. Matter of fact, maybe old Pastor Don ought to take off running now before he gets healed. Hmm. In the process of going through something, in that process, when you give God the glory, when you get to the end of the process, you figure it out, He's already done the thing. That's anointing. Anointing. I, you know, I really believe there are some people here today that have never experienced the freedom I'm talking about. I really believe that. You've never experienced the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That freedom, that releaser, that, you know, that yoke breaker. You've never really experienced it. Because if you did, those yokes that are on, wouldn't stay on you for 12, 15 years. You, you wouldn't know how to break them. Let that anointing. You've never really enjoyed your life. Your life's been fun, and it's been an experience, and it's been exciting, but you've never enjoyed it. Why is that? There's a yoke that the anointing wants to break. You haven't, ex- you haven't experienced that anointing that you need to. I believe there's people here, you've spent your entire life in prison. Your entire life has been in a prison. You've never been able to break out of that prison because this yoke is around your neck. Sometimes yokes are placed on our life when we're young. When we're young. There are people's words and actions. Sometimes it's a, it's a parent. Sometimes it's an aunt or uncle. Sometimes it's somebody in authority that makes statements to us, that speak negatively to us. And they yoke us with something about what we can or can't do or will or won't do. And we let that yoke, we don't understand what it means to break that off. And so we live with it from a very young age. They just yoked you when they did that. Every time you try to do something, every time you try to move, the words of the past, the actions of the past begin to yoke you. They play over. Has that ever happened to you? Things, you know, God loves me, but. God's forgiven me, but. Man, I feel free today, but. And these things keep coming back of things that happened to you or did you, you did in your life that you know were right or wrong. Well, first of all, that, that God's not replaying those. You, you get that, right? God don't even know what you're talking about. You know what you're thinking about. He doesn't, under, he doesn't get that because that's gone. He said, I, I cast that as far as the east is from the west. I'll remember it no more. It's gone. It's, it's erased. It's done with. God has no clue, if you will, about those things. Isn't that beautiful thing about God? Man, that's real love, isn't it? That's real. Because, you know, I, there's people I love in my life that I, they still did things to me and I still remember them. Even though they were my family. They did things that I remember. God doesn't do that. And I'm part of His family and so are you. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't remember it, anything about that. But what happens is, is that the Assyrians show up and they start trying to yoke you with these thoughts and feelings, the things that God has released you from already. You know what He's trying to do? Put a false prison on you. The only way, the only way it becomes a real prison is if you saddle up to the yoke. Just let him put it on there, and you don't deal with it. You don't turn around and say, listen, I'll tell you what, devil. I'm glad you reminded me of that because you reminded me of something else, that God anointed me one day. 
He anointed me one day. He released me one day and anointed me from that. Thank you. You know what? I think I'll just be happy about that devil. I think I'll give him a little shout today. I think I'll give him a little worship. Thank you for reminding me. He's just not apt to show up anytime soon with that same reminder. He's going to get off your back and off your case about that and try to figure out something else. And so when that happens, thank you for your, you know, thank you, devil, for your reminder. Here, I'm about to take off. I better get up here. I'm going to hurt myself. Listen, you might be shocked at the number of people in this room today that would be much further along in their life if they'd have just learned how to deal with this yoke in their life. They would be much further along their life. They would be much further along spiritually if they had dealt with this yoke, if they knew how. See, some of this is people just don't know how. They don't understanding, but have an understanding. But understand what God's telling us today. He said, I'm destroying that thing today. I'm, destroy, I'm destroying it with anointing. You know, when God destroys something, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And God didn't go, <coughs> and so that's the end of them. You know what? No, no, no. He washed it out with fire. He washed it out with fire. We know he, he washed the earth out with water. But he said, I'm not going to do that again. So now I'm going to use fire. When God clean, cleans it up, God cleans it up. Some of you are with people you thought you knew. But you don't really know them because they've never been freed from their yoke. Let me say that again. Some of us are with people here today that we thought we really knew them. But you don't really know them because they've never been freed from their yoke. Because if they ever get freed from their yoke, you're going to know the real them. The real them is going to come out. The real, their yoke has held them down, held them back, kept them from flowing in the spirit in their life. But I'm here to tell you today, today's the day. God wants to lift it from you. He's going to do it with a simple thing. He said, I'm going to not lift it off of you. I'm going to destroy it off of you with a simple anointing. Today's the day to be set free. You're not going to spend the next 12 years, the next 12 months, the next 12 weeks, the next 12 days, the next 12 minutes with this yoke any longer. Hallelujah. It's over. You speak to that yoke right now. It's over. You have been revealed, and I know how to allow this to be broken off of me and destroyed. Simple anointing. Not going to be more limitations in my life. No more restrictions. Listen, the Holy Ghost is inside of us. And the Holy Ghost is a moving spirit. You shall know the truth. And the truth doesn't set you free. The scripture says the truth makes you free. See, there's an unction to the function. Stand with me if you would. I've decided today I'm no longer going to miss out on the greatness of God in my life. Yokes cause you to miss out on God's greatness, not because God doesn't want to produce greatness in your life, not that he hasn't, but because you miss it because you live with the yoke and not the anointing. The holy God who created all of this wants to come into you. And if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he is inside of you. But he doesn't want to remain there. He wants to give you an unction. What is an unction? 
and pick on my friend here. This is an unction. Everybody look. Thank you. That's good. I gave him enough unction and he walked forward, right? God just wants to give you an unction because there's a function he has for you. The first function that he has for you today is to lift that yoke. There's some people in this congregation today, I know because you've spoken this to me, that you're fearful you won't even make it to the kingdom of heaven. You won't make it in the rapture because the kingdom of heaven is something different. You won't make it in the rapture because this has happened in my life and now that portion of my life's over. I've remarried or did this and now I'm not sure. Am I living in sin? Am I? And all of this... So I don't know if, you know, because I, I'll just say it, because I got, had a divorce and now I remarried somebody, now I'm living in sin because God hasn't. And, and, and I ask God to forgive me every day, but you know, the next day I'm still living in it. You understand something. There's a point in your life when that happens. When you go to God and say, God, this happened in my life. God already knew it. And God, I just need your grace. And let His grace overshadow you. And let His forgiveness, if there is a forgiveness that needs to happen, let it happen. And then move on with the life He's given you. Some of you are living in a trap. And you can't enjoy God because of that one reason. God is such an ogre, the thing He's going to keep me out of heaven from is that. There's only one thing going to keep you out of heaven. That's you. There's only one thing going to keep you out of heaven. That's you. Man, there's, a, there's an unction here today. Just like Israel, God will move you out from under this yoke because He anoints you. Where the yoke is and the anointing is, the yoke is always destroyed. Always destroyed. If there's something in your life today that you feel yoked, something that somebody said to you in your past, something that you did in your past, something that, if there's anything that you feel yoked, if, if you feel like today, you know what, I just don't have the ability to do this in the kingdom, there's a yoke. There's a reason you feel like you don't have that ability. God doesn't restrict what He wants to do in the kingdom because you did something. In spite of what I did, man, you know, a lot of y'all know some of my past, and you're still here. Amazing. Because in spite of that, God called me to be a pastor. You understand something? In spite of what's happened in the past, God's called you to greater things. God's washed that white as snow. Man, that is anything any whiter than snow. You've heard of a whiteout. That's not a bunch of white people at a mall. I heard a guy the other day say, yeah, I went to a whiteout the other day. There's a bunch of white people in a mall. That's not that. A whiteout is when the snow is so flurrying and it's so you can't make heads or tail what's north, south, east, or west, left, or right. It's so blinding. And God so blinds sin from Himself because He's whited it out in your life. But there's, there's something that moves past that. There's something that moves past what we did and moves into the presence about what we are. And that's where He wants to meet you today here at the altar. There's a presence in today's day, today, 
that he wants to wash out of your life and place an anointing upon you that when you walk out of here, your walk's going to be different. Your talk's going to be different. It's going to be different. If you want God to remove an anointing today or remove a yoke through an anointing today, you come to this altar. Not because Pastor Don's here. Pastor Don's going to step back because Pastor Don's going to watch God do some awesome things here this morning. I might pray with you. If I don't, don't get mad at me. God, God's wanting to break. But God, God's anointing doesn't come through Pastor Don. You understand that, right? God's anointing doesn't come through Pastor Don. God will anoint Pastor Don and there's an unction in Pastor Don for the function he wants to perform. So if I pray with you, that don't, but if I don't, understand that, that that anointing is here today for you. God's anointing comes directly down the pipeline. He doesn't have to have another person. God's anointing is here for you today. There's a yoke that you want to break. Let him break it today. He wants you to walk out of here really free. He whom the Son sets free, not the pastor, not the bishop, not, not the Sunday school teacher, not the mom or dad. He whom the Son sets free is really free indeed. He's really free. Church, let's pray with one another. Don't, I understand the COVID thing, and if a person doesn't want you, that's perfectly fine. We're praying for you right where you're at. Don't, don't, but let's pray for each other. Let's pray for one another. Don't wait on me. Don't wait on Pastor. If you have the Holy Ghost, the unction is on you now to let the function happen. Let, let that Spirit move through you right now and minister into the lives of people that are around you. We are the body of Christ. We are the body, and the body performs within itself the needs and the helps. The hand helps the arm. The arm helps the leg. The foot helps the ear. The eye helps the chin. We are all helping one another right now. Pray with one another. Let that unction produce that function. Let that anointing happen. Lord Jesus, God, the, the, the Holy Ghost is in this place today. We know because we're here, we're full of you. So allow that flow, that anointing out of our lives to help. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. That's all Peter and John spoke to that man. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. And let your spirit flow right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.